Hey, everybody. Good morning. Yeah, I had a great time at the harvest party last night. I, I just love dressing up, you know. I, I, had, I found this incredible mullet at Value Village, and I was so the part of a, a, a hick kind of from Ozarks or something, had the chewing tobacco in. Somebody saw me work in the sound booth and thought, man, I don't know they had to actually pay somebody to come in and work this thing. So I was just like, yes, I've, I've done it. I've been a roadie, you know, I've got the look. Well, did you know um, Halloween, the word, actually means holy evening? It's kind of ironic. And, you know, the day that we're here today, holy evening, Halloween, is, is to prepare God's people all over the world to celebrate All Saints Day, a day where the church remembers those believers who have died particularly those who were martyred. Well, for me, growing up, when I was 10 years old, it meant zombie costume and a whole big pillowcase full of candy. In fact, me and my, me and my friend, during the summer, we began to plot how our zombie costumes would come together. We took some clothes, chopped them up, and then dug a hole, first got it all greasy and dirty, and then buried him in the hole and waited. End of October, Carlos would come back and dig him up. And to our great chagrin, they had not decomposed at all. <laughs> well, we, we put him on and, and caked our faces with this uh, oatmeal mixture, got ourselves looking all nasty, rotting flesh look, and headed off to school our separate ways. By the afternoon, my face was itching just like uncontrollably. And I'm like, I'm out, man. I, I can't do this anymore. So scrubbed myself clean and decided to become a warrior rogue, medieval destroyer. Here we have us. <laughs> okay. Now, you can see that by this point, um, unfortunately, though, the, the fun had worn off. I was out of gas at that point, two, you know, two costumes later. And then here's the icing on the cake. My brother, being a true heavy metal fan, listening to Ozzy Osbourne and Juice Priest, Metallica and all these, he goes ahead and, and uh, puts a, an upside-down star on the middle of my forehead, which, if you don't know, it's also the sign of Satan himself. What the heck? Thanks, bro. <laughs> well, I think we, we in our culture, we seem to have a little bit of a morbid fascination that's growing with evil, with the dark, with blood, with gore, with, you know, we, we got our, our vampire movies. I was up on campus the other day. They're playing humans versus zombies. You know, this is, it's, it's pretty big in our culture. Well, my question is, is there anything more going on here? Is there a force behind evil in the world? 
Satan and his demonic hordes? Some people are going, oh, come on, really? Well, can we, as a, you know, a progressive community here in, in the Northwest, have open minds to consider the different texts we look at and, and think through this together? Is there something more? And if so, what should we do about it? C.S. Lewis, who wrote the book, The Screwtape Letters, he's one of the prominent thinkers of the 20th century, had this to say in this preface. There are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased by both errors and hail a materialist or a magician with the same delight. What he's saying is this. You got people who, they, they look at the world and they, they think everything has a scientific or psychological explanation to it. There is no miraculous, there is no sinister. And on the other hand, we have people who, they're so into the darkness and, or afraid of the darkness that they make it take center stage, put it on a platform, make it the, the main character in the story. Well, let's look at what Jesus had to say. Most people think that Jesus was a good man here in the Northwest. He was a moral teacher. I have a friend that's last week, an atheist friend of mine, who he, he suggested Jesus was enlightened. But Jesus believed in demons. And even battled them throughout his ministry. Listen to a smattering of examples just from Luke's account of his life. Satan first shows up in chapter 4 where he tempts Jesus. Later in the chapter, Jesus wins a verbal battle with an evil spirit who'd possessed a man. And the demon bolts with a shriek. And then again, in the same chapter, a little while later, Jesus not only heals many people, but the text says in verse 41, demons came out of many people shouting, you are the son of God. More demon cleansing in chapter 6. In chapter 8, Jesus teaches a parable where Satan snatches up his message before it could take root in the hearts of its hearers. He gives his disciples power to drive out demons in chapter 9. And my favorite's in chapter 10. Jesus tells his followers, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. You did what? Did, did you just say you saw Satan fall from heaven? I mean, back up from that and consider the implications there. Moral teacher? Hmm. Well, as we jump from Luke's first account of Jesus to his second account, focused on the growth of the church, the book of Acts that we've been studying, 
The demonic only comes up a handful of times. It really jumped out of me, or not out of me, that would be horrible. Gosh, can we strike that in the recording? Uh, It jumped out at me as I was looking at this text that we're going to check out in, in chapter 26. Here is Paul testifying before some prestigious, educated, non-believing Gentiles about his faith in Jesus. According to Paul, people showed up before him. I'm getting lost here. Hold on. According to Paul, Jesus showed up before him in blinding light when he was out terrorizing Christians. And he charged Paul with a vital life-changing mission. Listen to Jesus' words, picking up in verse 17 of chapter 26 of Acts. He says this to Paul. I am sending you to them, these unbelieving people, to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified By faith in me. The assignment to turn them from darkness to light, from closed eyes to open eyes, from the power of Satan to the power of God. The mission doesn't get much more clear or succinct than this. According to the risen Jesus, evil is real and has a real power behind it that wields much influence on earth. People all over the world are essentially walking around with their eyes closed, in the dark, twice blind. And Satan, whom Jesus refers to numerous times as the prince of this world, never sleeps, but is constantly on the prowl, up to sinister schemes. He exerts his power everywhere, on every continent, amongst every people. That's a dark reality. Rescuing people from this power of evil is core to Jesus' mission. And receiving the forgiveness we celebrated here in communion That's how it's accomplished. Remember what Tim shared just recently. This meal that we celebrate, it represents the power, the victory of good over evil that Jesus won. Just when when the enemy thought that he could have us because he hates forgiveness, he hates everyone, Jesus says, no, no. I'll die in their place. I love these ones. And I want to see them forgiven. I want to be with them in relationships so bad that I am willing to go to the cross to defeat you, Satan. That's the good news. He won. Well, Paul's audience listens for a bit, but then... The governor, who's listening, Festus, jumps up and shouts, You are out of your mind, Paul. Your great learning is driving you insane. 
I wonder if there's anybody in the room this morning who's feeling a little bit like that. This message is kooky. I don't buy it. Well, you're, you're not the only one. You're not the first one to believe that. Many very rational people have come to the same conclusion. That this doesn't fit in the paradigm of what's natural, what seems to be possible. I thought it was curious, though, that uh, in a poll by the Associated Press, 77% of Americans believe in angels. And 66%, though not as much, still quite a few, believe in the demonic. 30 years ago, would any of us have thought that school shootings would be normal? Oh, there's another one. How many died this time? And how about Boko Haram and ISIS? You realize the shirt I'm wearing, the symbol on the back, marks a house to say, get out or face the consequences, Christians. We know who you are and we know where you live. And many have given their lives and we remember them on this All Saints Day, don't we? A devil roaming around with a pitchfork, with tights, devil that looks like this. Unbelievable? Yeah, I get it. But if you were the enemy, and you were trying to deceive the world, what would be a great crafty way to go about it? What if you could disappear? Convince everyone that you don't exist. In this book, The Screwtape Letters, which is written in the form of a letter writing exchange between a senior demon and a junior demon, the writer C.S. Lewis shares these words about this skeptical idea. My dear Wormwood, the junior demon, I wonder you should ask me whether it is essential to keep the patient in ignorance of your own existence. That question, at least for the present phase of the struggle, has been answered for us by the high command, Satan himself. Our policy for the moment is to conceal ourselves. Of course, this has not always been so. We are really faced with a cruel dilemma. When the humans disbelieve in our existence, we lose the pleasing results of direct terrorism and we make no magicians. On the other hand, when they believe in us, we cannot make them materialists and skeptics. He goes on to say, the fact that devils are predominantly comic figures in the modern imagination will help you. 
If any faint suspicion of your existence begins to arise in his mind, suggest to him a picture of something in red tights and persuade him that since he cannot believe in that, it is an old textbook method of confusing them, he therefore cannot believe in you. Are we being duped? For us who believe in a spiritual battle, it's probably not difficult to imagine a demonic influence in some of the terrible, intensely horrendous things we see reported on the evening news over and over again. But what about some of the more subtle forms of evil in our culture? Are we possibly blind to the influence of evil powers on some of our day-to-day experiences? From soft porn to software pirating, from racism to sexism, police brutality to criminalizing law enforcement, is a diabolical hand behind any of it? Or is it just human nature? From cutting corners on taxes to cutting people off or flipping them off, cutting drug deals and cutting records, preaching promiscuity with profanity. Vulgar, seductive, violent, and wicked images and conversations on TV, movies, the internet, tablets, and phone, and other portable electronic devices which need to be stowed at this moment. Is there a power behind any of this beyond just electricity. We sing of sexy sex for singles and celebrities. We spend millions of dollars on political campaigns to lie and defame and gossip our way to power. Meanwhile, children all over the world starve and wars rage. Does it sound like We're walking in the darkness. Friends, we live in a beautiful city, don't we? In a wonderful country. I'm so glad to live where I live. I'm so thankful to be able to go watch my kids play soccer, go for a walk in my park. Enjoy great coffee in coffee shops. But is there an evil that's present, that's wanting to kill, steal, and destroy? Since we find ourselves in a spiritual battle, that's what I believe, and that's what the Bible says, teaches, we need to know what to do about it. I'd like to close with four ideas from Scripture about how to face and overcome the evil one. First, be alert. Be alert. In Jesus' mission directive to Paul, he says, open people's eyes. I mean, you're not going to do very well out there being alert if you don't have your eyes open, right? And the Apostle Peter warns his church and ours with these words, 
Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Whoa, yikes. How does a lion hunt? Well, first of all, it's usually the lioness who's doing the dirty work, right? She's out there prowling, looking for something to devour. She sees a group of wildebeests. That's us. We're just eating away, minding our own business, having some fun. When she pounces, who does she go after? The strong ones? The ones in the center of the pack? No. She goes after the weak ones, the young ones, the ones on the fringe that are unstable, the loner. Be alert. Be alert, church. You know, we, as, as your, your shepherds in this community, we urge you the way to, to be alert, to stay alert, to, to stay alive, is to stay in community. We believe that, that the vital relationships in, in small groups, meeting one-on-one with other believers, that these are really vital, important ingredients in the Christian life. You see, I've got blind spots. I may think, oh, no lions out there. You know, hello, he's right behind you. I need, I need my eyes in back of me. That needs to be you. And you for me. I for you. But how is it supposed to happen if we're not in close proximity? You can't have my back. You can't have yours. Sunday morning's nice, it's good, but, but do we really think this is going to take us all week left to our own devices? We'll be fine. Our home groups, they meet all over the city, all over the whole uh, Whatcom County area, all times of day, men's groups, women's groups, mixed groups, couples groups, sh- uh, short people groups. Um, you know, we have, we have groups for everybody, um, and, we, and we would love to connect you in. So please ask about that. Find out about it. First thing, be alert. The second thing, be prepared. Be prepared. Paul reminds us in Ephesians chapter 6, Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the authorities of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Ask yourself this. What kind of knucklehead goes into battle without armor on? What kind of fool goes to war 
without knowing who the enemy is. And yet we walk around in our day-to-day life thinking, that guy on the opposite political end, he's the enemy. My wife, she's the enemy. That guy, that neighbor who never cleans up his yard, looks like a junkyard, he's the enemy. My coworker gossiping all the time, she's the enemy. Really? Are we maybe being deceived? Because we don't recognize that the power is in the heavenly realms and that that authority is the one who opposes us. Be prepared, church. Get your armor on. This is not a dance party. This is for real. The stakes are high. Be prepared. Be alert. Third, be prayerful. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, what did he close with? Father, deliver us from evil. Deliver us from evil. It's a no-brainer. Pray. If it's in the spiritual realm, we got to talk to the spiritual boss about the spiritual realm. You know, uh, I was really upset yesterday. I was grieved in my heart over uh, a situation with a, a close family family member. It's just the, the relationship seemed to be going nowhere and there was a disconnect. I was so frustrated and discouraged. I, I told my wife, I need, to, I need to just go on a walk, pray. I got my warm clothes on, my poncho got out in the, in the rain, and started walking through Cornwall Park, lamenting. And as I did so, I, I struggled to pray. I just felt so torn up inside, so discouraged. I thought about calling a friend, Bill, from Hillcrest. He's been down the road a little further. I knew he would have some good encouragement for me, but this little voice was like, nah, you don't want to bug him. It's, it's Saturday, his day off. You know, he's got a lot going on. No, I, I should call him. It, it, I'll just be quick. Ring, ring. Hey, Bill, it's Carlo. Hey, Carlo. What's up? Well, I'm wondering if you could pray for me. I'm really discouraged. About this relationship with a family member. And as he listened and I talked, he, he understood where I was coming from. And then he prayed for me there in Cornwall Park I just got on my knees. And as he prayed, I felt like a weight was being lifted. I felt like the sun was coming out from behind the clouds. And as he concluded his prayer, I felt hope again. The relationship wasn't restored, but I knew what I was going to do. 
I felt connected more with God because I understood his grieving heart that he wants so much to be in relationship with us and how much we turn away from him. I had a skip in my step and renewed vigor and hope for this relationship. So thankful for prayer. So thankful for a community that can carry my burdens. You know, it wasn't time to like beat around the bush, you know. Oh, well, I may ask him to pray for me if, you know, it comes up, but I want, you know, don't want to like be awkward. Cut to the chase. Let's pray. I need help. We need each other's prayers, church. Be alert, be prepared, be prayerful, and finally, be submitted. Be submitted. Submit yourselves then to God, urges the Apostle James. Then, and only then, resist the devil and he will flee from you. He will. He will flee from you? Hey, don't get me wrong. The devil is not afraid of you or me at all. He's been taking out fools like us for centuries. People like, oh, I got this. I'm cool, man. I, I, got, I, got, I got today's events. Nothing big on the horizon. He's like... <laughs> Yeah, another one down. I'll take you out. We're still so dumb. Centuries and centuries later. Will we ever learn? Okay, for example, the front cover of Time magazine in September featured this question. Is monogamy over? Are you kidding me? Is monogamy over? Okay, even if we joined the band and said monogamy is over, stealing is okay, getting drunk is fine as long as you don't drive, gossiping about your friends is understandable as long as it's not me, neglecting your kids for ministry, it's good, it builds the kingdom, turning a blind eye to the poor and oppressed because we have stuff to buy that we don't need, we would only show that we are idiots. The collapse of our society will be the proof that we had our eyes closed. We were walking in darkness under the influence. Is monogamy over? Are you kidding me? Did, did God really say you shouldn't eat the forbidden fruit. Satan would definitely agree that monogamy is over. He would endorse the message that porn and pot don't hurt anybody. The Bible is full of errors and God could never forgive you for what you've done. Friends, we need to be submitted because while Satan can take us out faster than a high school wrestling champ, there is one he fears. 
one that makes the demons tremble go running for a dark corner. Come on. You know that name. The name above every name. The name that's sweeter than honey to my lips. The name that is more precious than silver. Come on, let me hear it. Come on like you believe it. Oh, and all the demons are there trembling when they hear that name. They tremble. Oh, I love the song we're going to sing next when it says, The demons run and flee at the mention of the name King of Majesty. There is no power in hell or any who can stand before the power and the presence of the great I Am. Yeah, that's right. He is my older brother, and he will take you out, Satan. Yeah, Satan is strong, but he ain't that strong. He's like a flea next to Jesus. Do you realize that Satan is having a bad hair day? Every day, he's walking around with a crushed head. Now tell me that doesn't mess with your hair. And do you know what? Jesus is coming back soon. And when he does, he says in Paul's letter to the Romans, he will crush Satan underneath our feet. It's going to be over. It's not going to be like, oh, I hope he wins. Real nail biter here. No. It's finished. Okay? It's done. Friends, spiritual evil is real. It's very real. And it's on the prowl. But if we stay alert, grounded in community, we can see marriages restored. We can see families put back together. If we're prepared, armored up with faith in Christ, knowing who the real enemy is, we can see enemies made into friends. Yours, mine, in our workplaces, in our schools, even amongst people of different faiths. If we pray, Father, your will, not mine, be done. Keep us from temptation and deliver us from evil. Don't you know God loves to answer that prayer? He loves to hear that prayer. And he will. Think of the freedom from addictions that could happen. Even, you know, the people who are struggling, who who are clueless, who are feeling depressed and despondent, on the verge of suicide. Those who can't find any insights to unsolvable problems and difficult dilemmas. Think of how God will rescue as we pray. And finally, if we are submitted, then the devil will flee. We will experience victory in our lives, a lightness and a childlikeness that we didn't know we could have anymore. We thought that was just when we were a new Christian. But could it be we're being oppressed? And Jesus wants to free us and have us skip like lambs, like calves released from pasture. Remember, church, 
Jesus came not to lay a big, heavy guilt trip on you, but that we might have life, and life to the full. Let's pray. Our Father, hallowed be your name. On Halloween, on that holy evening, hallowed be your name. On the hallow morning, hallowed be your name. Every day of our lives, God, may you be magnified. God, rescue us from the dominion of darkness. If there are any in this room who, who are finding themselves oppressed, finding themselves feeling overwhelmed, and, and it seems like it, it isn't just the problem, but there may be something else going on and this is resonating with them, we together as the church pray for them in the power of multiple voices lift up with one prayer, Jesus, in your name, May the darkness flee. Rescue us. Change our lives, God, that we may walk and skip around this dark world with hope and joy and passion for your name and your glory, for reconciliation, for hope restored in our families, in our friendships, in our country and in our very broken world. We pray in Jesus' name for his glory. Amen.